0: Well, hello, friends, if I haven't met you before, my name is Brian. I'm the creative pastor here at CTK Bellingham, and I'm excited to be with you this weekend. I feel like God's got a word for you. He wants to meet you in this moment, and my encouragement to you is to actually be expectant. that God sees you, God is with you right now, and he wants to speak into your life. You know, over the past couple months, uh, I've been doing some reading and I've been really captured by a story about this crazy science experiment that happened back in the early 90s. Maybe some of you have heard of it. It was called the biodome. Anybody hear of the biodome? It's actually called Biosphere 2 is what they created, but it was Biodome, and I thought Biodome was just a really bad uh, Pauly Shore movie that I watched back in middle school, but it turns out that it was a movie that was based on a real life experiment that was done, and this group of scientists came together and they got this, this, this massive enclosed ecosystem built where conditions for growth were perfect. And so it was sealed off from the rest of the world. And this group of scientists actually went into this biodome and they lived there for two years without leaving. I brought a picture for you so that you can see what I'm looking at. And so this is Biosphere 2. It's this remarkable story. And inside of this ecosystem, every single variable is meticulously controlled. I- I'm talking about the air was perfect. The humidity was optimized for growth. Everything about it was just ideal for plants and animals. It was like trying to return to the garden. And when this thing first got up and running, the results were staggering. They had never seen growth like what they saw in the biosphere, too. Like the plants were like, yes, the the, the trees were just reaching up at rates that they'd never seen. It was off the charts. Everything was just like, wow. Everything was thriving. It's like nothing that they'd ever witnessed before. But one day, the strangest thing happened. Without any warning, some of the trees just started falling over. And the scientists had no idea what to do. They were so confused. There was no rot. There were no pests. There was no visible signs of anything that was wrong. They were just falling over. I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about, all these trees are just tanking. They're just falling. Eventually, one guy figured out what was going on you realize that they'd recreated everything from the outside world. They'd optimized it, but they'd forgotten about one variable. And the variable was wind. There was no wind. And what they quickly realized is that these trees need wind. They need something to push up against them. They need some resistance. They need some struggle because it's actually the stress that gives the signal to the roots that says, hey, it's time to go down. It's time to put down some roots. So without any resistance, without any opposition of any kind, the signals weren't being sent, so the roots weren't going down, and these trees were falling because they were really good at growing up, but they were really bad at growing down. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I thought that was pretty interesting. And it got me thinking about a lot of Christians who, who love praising God when life is good. They love reaching towards the sky and putting their hands up and praising God when he says yes, but they don't really know what to do when he says no and everything starts to unravel because they never really learned what it means to grow down. They never really realized that sometimes the support that God wants to give you isn't sitting on the surface, it's actually buried deep in the soil. And that story really resonated with me and it actually got me thinking about a question and that question kind of became the heartbeat of this message. And the question's simple, it's this. Am I wasting the wind? Am I wasting the wind? Here's what I mean. If wind, if resistance, if challenge, if struggle is meant to signal our roots to go deep, then I guess that my fear is that instead of asking God to grow us through the wind, we'd just be so busy asking God to keep us from the wind because we're more worried about our comfort than our growth. We're more worried about having an easy life than having deep roots. That we would just see wind as an inconvenience instead of an opportunity for depth and intimacy with God. Friends, whenever something pushes into us, there's always an opportunity for us to push deeper into Christ. And I don't want to waste it. I I want to call today's message, Wasted Wind. Wasted winds. And today we're going to be looking at that scripture that Drew talked about earlier. We're going to be in John 15. um, And it's all about being connected to Christ. He is our rock. He is our firm foundation. He is the cornerstone. And just so that you have some context for when Jesus was teaching this message, this actually happened just before Jesus was arrested and killed. So this wasn't mid-ministry. This was like the cross was right before him. So we're going to start in verse we're going to, or verse 5 and read through verse 11. You can read along with me. If you've got a Bible or an app, you can pull that out. If not, it's going to be up on the screens. If not, you can just listen. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. It's a guarantee. You will bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love." If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. I just want to pray for us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that every time we face wind, God, that buried inside of that inconvenience is an opportunity to grow deeper with you, God, that we actually need the things that create struggle, that we need the things that uh, create doubt in us, God, because every time that we face that, every time we're pushed against, we have an opportunity to push deeper into you. And God, that's my heart. That's my heart for our friends. God, that's our heart for our families. That's our heart for our church and our community, God, is that we would grow deep into you, that we wouldn't be fair weather Christians who just reach up when life is good. We would be deeply rooted in your truth and it would start to change us. So Holy Spirit, would you speak in power? God, would you move? We don't just want to hear your word. We want to be transformed. God, I want to leave here different than when I got here. God, would you draw me close? Would you draw me deep in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. So again, I know we just celebrated Easter and the resurrection and all that, but this, this, this text, uh, Jesus was actually talking uh, about, he's, he's teaching this right before he got killed. And so the cross was close. The heat was turning up in his life. And so Jesus isn't interested in small talk anymore. He, he's, he's interested in laying down, here is what is truly important for you to know as you move through the world. And he says in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I love that. It's a guarantee. You will bear much fruit if you're in me. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So let's start there. I did a word study on the word nothing, and it turns out it means nothing. It means not a thing. It doesn't mean a little bit. It doesn't mean I do all right on my own, but with God, I can do more. It means I can do no thing pleasing to God apart from Jesus. I can do not a thing in my own power, in my own strength that is eternal without the eternal source of life. He says, there is no way for you to create fruit that is pleasing for me unless you are in me. You've got to be connected to the vine. And so... I decided to bring a branch with me, and before I get a bunch of angry emails from people who are into botany, I want you to know that I do, in fact, know this is not a vine branch. It's a a cherry blossom, and why a cherry blossom? Because a cherry blossom is the closest thing that I have to a vine branch that was in my backyard, so we're going to roll with it. But I want you to look at this branch, and I have a question for you. And keep in mind, I'm talking about this specific branch. I'm not talking about a branch that is connected to the tree that's like this one. I'm talking about this one right here. So how many of you in this room believe that this branch is going to bear fruit this year? Anybody? Zero takers. Where's your faith, people? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'll sweeten the deal for you. Let's see if we can change your mind. What if I told you this branch right here was going to try really, really hard this year? Does that change anybody's opinion? Uh, I'll try one more. What, What if I told you this branch had every intention, every good, every great intention of bearing fruit this year, and that it was a really, really good branch? Anybody wanna throw in your lot with the branch here? Oh, we got one in the back, awesome. I'm actually not looking for hands. I'm trying to make a point here. The answer is no, of course not. Of course, this isn't going to bear fruit because it's not connected to the source. It's not connected to the tree that actually gives it the sustenance that actually allows it to be alive. And so what this branch is, is it's a picture of something that's already dead, but it just doesn't know it yet. And even if it tries so hard to sprout some fruit and to make something that's of value, the reality is this branch is a lost cause. And what Jesus is really saying is that this is what some of you look like if you're trying so hard to be righteous and you're trying so hard to be good and you're trying so hard to bear fruit, but you're disconnected from the source of the fruit. He says it doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how good you try to be. You're never going to have access to the eternal fruit unless you're attached to the eternal vine. He says, this is what some of you look like. And it's not even cute. It's just kind of sad. He's saying, you've got to be connected to the vine. And if you are, you're guaranteed fruit. If not, you just look like this. And I'll tell you one other thing about this branch. If the wind blows on this branch, it's not going to signal anything to the roots. It's actually just going to get blown around like a rag doll because it is not grounded to anything good. And that's why Jesus... Says, stay with me. He says, connect with me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Why? So that you can bear much fruit. So that you can bear much fruit. Here's what I want you to see about this verse. Friends, Jesus wants to be connected to you. In this room and at home, Jesus wants to be connected with you, not the person that you're sitting next to, but actually you. Well, I guess them too, but I'm talking specifically to you. Jesus wants to be connected to you, not so that he can take, but so that he can give. Not so that he can receive something out of this transaction, but so that he can pour out and pour into you. Friends, Jesus doesn't need anything from you. And until we understand this, all these Christian activities that we do can get so twisted. If we're not careful, we can turn church into this list of have-tos, you know, I have to pray and I have to go to church on the weekends and I, I have to worship and I I have to read my Bible and I, I have to go to small group and I have to tithe and I have to tell people about Jesus because if I don't tell people about Jesus, then what's Jesus gonna do? If that's been your journey with God, if you just feel like this is all stuff that we're doing because God needs it from us, I need you to hear me clearly. God doesn't need anything from you. And that's actually really good news. God doesn't need your money. He's not poor. God doesn't need your worship. He's not a narcissist. God doesn't need your prayers. He's not lonely. But he does desperately want connection. To you, so that He can actually move in and through you. Everything that He actually invites us to do, whether it be tithing, whether it be worship, whether it be prayer, every one of those things isn't because He needs it, it's because we do. We need another reminder that God is God and we are not. We need another reminder that we were created for more than comfort. We were created with a calling, and God's inviting us to a story that's eternal, and He wants purpose for our lives. So he doesn't need anything for you. He says, throw your lot in with me and I'm going to give your life purpose and let's see what we can do together. But if ever you think this is a have to, you're going to miss the heart of what God is inviting you into. He doesn't need anything from you, but he says, hey, I'm going to use you. You might be imperfect. You might be a cracked and broken vessel, but I'm going to use you to deliver my perfect message to the world. We need those reminders that God's in control. So that when the wind comes, we don't fold. We actually get formed. In verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And I'll be honest, this verse gets used in a lot of bad preaching. When you read it at its face value, it feels very much like Prosperity. It feels like God's saying, if you abide in me, if you remain in my love, if you do the things that I am asking you to do, and then whatever you want is actually going to be yours, just ask for it. But that's not what this verse is about. Jesus is actually inviting us into something so much richer and so much deeper and so much better. I want you to look at the first half of that verse. If you remain in me, in my words, remain in you. What Jesus is saying is, is if you just get around God, if you can just get around him, if you can learn his voice, if you can pray without ceasing, if you can spend time with him, what happens is your desires start to shift. What happens is you start to see that there's a bigger picture, there's a deeper well, there's a better story that's being told. And when we remain in Christ, when we experience his love, all of a sudden our heart starts to beat for his story instead of our own. We start to grow a desire to connect to him because we realize that our life without him is never going to fulfill us. Slowly our prayers start to shift and we start asking God for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we start praying those kinds of prayers, God says yes and amen. He says let it be so. Friends, this isn't a story about God giving us the desires of our heart because we've been good. This is a story about God changing the desires of our heart because He's been good, because He is good, and He will be good. I I want you to think about it this way for a second. What if I could get a transcript of every prayer you've ever prayed? For some of you prayer warriors, I was thinking about it last night, like we might be killing a lot of trees and like it might be a, a big old stack, but what if there's a transcript of every prayer that you've ever prayed? And what if we could go through it together? We could say, what have these conversations been about? And specifically underline, what are you asking for? And I know this isn't the way that God works, but for the sake of this idea, what if we brought this transcript before God? And what if God was in a really good mood? He was feeling generous that day. The sun was out, and he's just like, you know what? Uh, Why not? I'm just going to give you a yes across the board. Every prayer that you have ever prayed, it's a yes. If you asked for it, it is yours. It is like Oprah in here. It's like you get a car, and you get a car, and you get a car, and everybody gets cards. How great is this? Praise the Lord. How good is it to be loved by God? Imagine that. That's right. We got an amen there, even though that's not how it works. Now here's the question, if God said yes to all of your prayers that you're praying, how would the world be different? What would change? You know, would, would God's kingdom expand? Would broken people be healed? Would systems of oppression be crushed? Would there be unity in the church? Would there be revival? Would we struggle every week because there's so many people trying to get in to hear about this God that is so good? Or would your life just be a little bit easier? Would there be a little less stress for you to deal with? You know, I'm not trying to put anybody on blast, or maybe I am, I don't know, but I'm just saying, think about who you're talking to. We're talking about God, We're talking about Elohim, the Almighty One. We have access to his ear, and for some reason that I don't fully understand, he actually listens and cares about what we bring before him. He listens to our cries, and he's saying, just get around me, actually spend time with me, remain in me, and through that process as you learn my ways and my rhythms your prayers will start to shift and they'll, they'll stop being all about you and your comfort and you'll realize that there's a bigger story that's at play. If you just spend time with me, your desires will start to change and your faith will start to deepen and your roots will start to grow. This is what David's talking about in Psalm 27, verse four. I, I, this, this, is, this is so remarkable to me. He says, if there's one thing I ask from you, Lord... This one thing do I seek. If I can ask one prayer, if I can pray one prayer, Lord, I want it to be you. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. David says if I get one shot, if I get one prayer that I get to pray, Lord, I want to be in your presence forever because I know what's going to change me. I don't want to stay the same. I want to become more like you, less of me, more of you. I just got to get around you. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be in your dwelling place. Friends, I don't know about you, but I can tell you this. I don't want to spend my life praying small prayers that I could probably answer on my own. I I, I want to pray some prayers that, that, that say, Lord, would you take me deeper? Lord, I want to be connected to you. I know you don't need anything from me, but you, you, you want to use me. Lord, I, I want to be drawn deeper into your presence. I want to be transformed by you. Lord God, would you use the wind in my life to do a work in me? I don't want to waste it. I don't want all this wind to be wasted. I want it to draw me deeper into your presence. I want to remain in your love. Verse 10 says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my father's commands and remained in his love. Jesus is saying, stay in my love. Remain in my love. Abide in me, not because I want something from you, but because I have something for you. And I know some of you are probably listening right now and you're thinking, I hear you, that sounds great. Abide in me, remain in my love. Like that's, that sounds really nice. But if I'm being honest, I have no idea what that actually means. How do we remain in God's love? How do we abide? What does that word even mean? I think Jesus speaks to this on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, verse 24, he says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and this is the important part and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house yet it didn't fall because it had a foundation on the rock but everyone who hears these words that's important everyone who hears these words and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash like a tree with no roots. I've always loved this story because at the core of this story, it it, it highlights that the only difference between the wise and the foolish builder isn't what they know, it isn't what they hear, it's actually what they choose to do with what they hear and what they know. So the difference between the foolish builder and the wise builder isn't that they have a different set of information that they're working with. It's that one of them actually puts it into practice and the other one just puts it in their pocket. And so what it actually means, the invitation to remain in Christ and remain in my love and abide in me and I in you, It's actually the invitation to practice the lifestyle of Christ. It actually means that we're called to do the things that Jesus did, to practice listening to God, to practice prayer, to practice generosity, to practice love, to practice sacrifice in such a way and with such a rhythm that it actually begins to shift and change us from the inside out. And again, not because we have to, but because we get to, because God's inviting us into a deeper story. We don't just do spiritual practice to check a box. We do spiritual practice because God's actually developed in us a desire for change and a desire to be more like him. We want to respond because a seed's been planted in our soul and we don't want it to be squelched. We want it to grow deep roots. We want our roots to go down so that we can have access to more of what God's placed for us in the soil. And... Here's the thing about this passage. We're going to get to verse 11 in a second. And uh, this is the part of the passage that, that really spoke to me and really moved me this week. Jesus uh, tells us this, this whole metaphor is about one thing. And, and just for context, I'm, I'm always looking when I'm, I'm reading scripture for so that statements. Jesus, will, he'll, he'll, he'll do a whole thing and he's talking about vines and branches and I and you and you and us and we and them. And, and sometimes if you have a brain like mine, i my like, Jesus, what are we really talking about here? And then he'll say, so that. And so that means all this that was before was so that this might happen. This is the outcome that I'm looking for. And in this scripture, in verse 11, it says, I told you all of this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So what's all this about? What's all this vines and branches and remaining and loving about? It's so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. And to me, this is wildly important. I study this passage all week and hidden in this beautiful poetry about vines and branches and remaining and loving is a simple invitation. Jesus says, connect to me, I want joy for you. Remain in me. I I, I want your life to bear fruit. I want you to be transformed. I want you to experience love in a way that isn't just theoretical or in a book. He, He says, abide in me, not because I need anything from you, but because I want joy for you and not the superficial stuff that we talk about. Not that I'm happy right now in this moment because of what's happening in my life. It's not that I got the job and I got the blessing and I got the provision. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about happy. Friends, happy is fragile and it has a shelf life. Jesus is talking about a a deep-rooted joy. He's talking about a joy that comes from knowing that you're exactly where you need to be and God's got you in the palm of his hand. He'll give you everything you need for the moment that you face. He's talking about a joy that's accessible in every season, no matter how dark it might look and no matter how hard the winds are pushing up against you. He's talking about a joy that says, I know things might not look the way that I want them to right now in this season, but I am still utterly confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it on the day of Christ Jesus because he always finishes what he starts Jesus says that's what it's about so that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be made complete that's what this whole thing is about Jesus wants you to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is for you God is with you and God is currently and has been and will be making a way for you and that doesn't mean that your life's going to be easy, but it does mean that God's always going to be good. I was thinking about this idea. As you read the, the, the scriptures, you know, there's, there, there's some things that you just don't want to text somebody. There, there's some things that, that get lost in translation over text. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's some messages that you don't want to type out over email. There's some things that are, are, are better face to face. Because sometimes the words that you write don't always convey the tone that you intend. Sometimes we actually need to see a person's face. We need to see uh, uh, the nonverbal so that we can receive the message that's actually being given. I was talking with a friend this week about this idea, and I I told him. I told him if, if people could just see God's face, if people could just see the way that he looks at them, I'm confident it would change everything about the way that they hear. If people could just see the love in his eyes, if people could just see the desires of his heart in your world, I'm convinced that it would radically change the way that we hear what he's inviting us into. I'm like, if you could just see his face, I promise all the have-tos, all the boxes that we check would start to fade, and we would start to see the invitation of a father who's crazy about his kids. We would see that the wind that we're up against isn't punishment, it's actually a signal calling us deeper so that he can actually allow us to access joys, even in the seasons that seem sad. And, And I'll close with this. I've got the two sweetest daughters at home, one's named Brooklyn, one's Addison. I know I talk about them a lot, but they're they're, they're kind of infinitely precious to me, so you're gonna have to deal with it. But what I wanna tell you is this, the best part of my day is the moment that I get home. And I could sound spiritual and tell you that it's my quiet time with the Lord, but that would not be completely accurate. Honestly, it's the moment I get out of the car and I see my girls waiting for me in the window. We've got a couch right in front of the window. They they, they just start jumping with joy like crazy people. They have the biggest smiles on their face. And Brooklyn says, Daddy's home. A couple days ago, she just started calling me her friend, Daddy. So she says, My friend, Daddy's home. My friend, Daddy's home. My friend, Daddy's home. And in that moment, there was no place I'd rather be in. There's no person I'd rather be with. The second that I open the door, she'll grab me by the hand. She brings me back to her room. She says, Daddy, come play with me. And here's what I want you to see. In that moment, she's bringing me back to the room. Here's what I want you to see. I could care less what we do together. I don't care what the game is. I'll play Dr. Brooklyn again for the thousandth time. That's fine. I'll sit there and I'll let her pretend to put makeup on me. I'm there for it. That's not an issue. Like I'll, I'll read books, I'll go for a walk, I'll jump in the pillows, I'll wrestle, I'll throw her in the air, I'll tell her a story. It's like, sweet girl, I don't care what we do, I just want to spend time with you. And there's nothing that you could do to make me love you any more than I do right now, even if I try. God says, remain in my love. Remain in my love. And sometimes I'm afraid that we make this relationship with God about something that it's not. Sometimes we think we've got to read the right verses and we've got to do the right stuff and we've got to pray the right prayers and we've got to do the right Christian activities and we've got to make sure that we're out there and, and we're doing the right thing on the right days. And that's just not the case. Here's what I know you have a God. You have a God who is crazy about you, He loves you more than life itself. He proved it on the cross. Your God loves you more than life, and he doesn't care what you do. He just wants to spend time with you. He just wants to spend time with you. If you could just see his face when he looks at you, if you could just see his body and the love and the fact that he's got an invitation for you to grow deep because he actually wants to give you access to what's hidden in the soil, if you could just see his face, it would change everything about your relationship with him. He is crazy about you. He doesn't care what you do. You can go for a walk. You can have a talk. You can play doctor with him. He, he doesn't care. He just wants to spend time with you. And I'm afraid some of you are so busy trying to check a box that you're missing God's heart for you. You're missing God's heart if you could just see his face. Some of you are trying so hard not to make God mad that you're missing the fact that God is madly in love with you. That all this spiritual practice, all this walking and talking with him, all this tithing and worship in church, all that it is is opportunities for you to spend time with your savior. He's trying to get you joy. And my hope in our heart as we engage with this idea of Rooted, as we collectively as a church get to go through some content, I've been in it with my small group. It's just been uh, great conversations around what does it look like to spend time with God? And I just want you to know our heart isn't that it would be a checkbox, not that it's another have to. It's just simply an opportunity for you to spend time with a God who is for you, who's with you and who wants to make a way for you to go deeper. Every invitation that God gives is an invitation to deeper. And my prayer is that when we face wind, that we would consider it pure joy because we know that the wind is working in us and that God is working through us. And so I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna worship. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are drawing us deeper, that you are inviting us into something that's so much more than we would even ever imagine for ourselves. God, that you have bigger dreams for our lives than even we do. God, you have joy. God, that isn't just a a, a temporary situational happy. God, that you are trying to get through our roots. And you're saying, won't you come deeper? God, would we see your face a little more clearly so that we can hear your voice? a little more accurately and hear the invitation instead of an obligation god we know everything you have for us is out of your great great abiding love and jesus we pray that we would be so captured and so moved and so transformed by that love god we pray this wouldn't just be something we stick in our pocket god this would become the rhythm of our life we want to know you we want to remain in you And God, we want to experience your joy. and We want to be your hands and your feet. And we want to give it away. We don't want to just keep it for ourselves. We want to tell anyone who will listen. God, would our prayers not be small prayers? Would they be prayers for revival in your church and unity? And God, the things that have disconnected us, God, would you remove them? You are more than able. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.